Thank you, Kelly. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our program live on this really warm day. Jared and I were just uh, talking about the fact that it is really warm and very humid. You know, it was quite pleasant this morning when I walked Zeus the first time, and not so pleasant when I came into the uh, broadcast studio just a uh, half an hour ago. Quite unpleasant, quite humid. So I'm broadcasting out of the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I don't know where you are exactly. Can't tell. I just hear your ears listening. And... uh I suspect it's about the same over most of the state. There is a cold front coming through uh, tomorrow, probably a little bit earlier than that in the panhandle. And I hope that brings us a little bit of cooling weather. I think we're ready for it. Welcome to our program. We're here to talk about the landscapes and gardens of the great state of Texas. We're coming into the best gardening time of the entire year. That's my opinion. I like it a lot. I used to not like, this is a long time ago, when school started up in the fall for me, I, I, I enjoyed summer because I could be out in my garden all summer long, and then school started, and that was a bah humbug kind of a thing, although I did well in school, but I didn't, didn't like having to leave the garden. Um, but now that I am a more mature gardener, I understand that this is a great time for planting trees and shrubs. Nurseries have wonderful supplies, and they have different things than they have in the spring. They have more time to spend with me, and... They have a great uh, nursery stock. You plant it now, and it's well established by next summer. You plant it in April or May, and it's uh, boom off to the races, off to the hot races. Plant it now, it has a chance to get all its roots established. So, and there's a lot of unusual color that you can plant right now. So it's a good time to get into the nurseries. Let's talk about all of that and more, getting your plants ready for the wintertime, getting things shut down for the fall. What can you still do? What should you be doing now? It's prime time for doing a lot of things. Let's talk about it. 888-256-1080. That's for the Texas Lawn and Garden Almost an Hour. Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. little after 11 until just a little before 12. I've been looking around at our games that are being played today and some of the ones that take some of our bigger stations are being played later. And so we should have a, a chance at a pretty good turnout on the phone lines. 888 Two five six ten eighty. Jared Taylor is is uh, waiting for your calls. He will ca- catch your call. He'll get you screened. Find out what city you're calling from, and uh, then he'll find out what the topic is. He has no access to last night's high school football scores, so don't call for that. Just call for a gardening program uh, and. Uh, let him know what your question is and what city. If you're in a tiny town that I may not recognize right away, go ahead and tell them what, what uh, city you're closest to. Or It doesn't have to be Houston or San Antonio or Dallas, for goodness sakes. I know my state pretty well. I've lived here all but about six years of my life, um, and that's a lot of years. And so I know my state pretty well, but, uh, but some of the tiny, tiny towns I may not know. So that'd be a big help because things are quite different along the coast from the Panhandle. For example, we broadcast from uh, Victoria and Corpus Christi all the way to Amarillo and from Alpine to Crockett and points in between. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. Call right now, please. I could really use some some calls today and uh, love to hear from you. Let me get my first break out of the way, and then we'll go to your calls, hopefully. I have some things we can talk about, but I'd rather hear from you instead. 888-256-1080. I have a few copies left, a few hundred, but not many hundreds. 
We're down into the triple digits now of copies of Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. And uh, this is the fifth printing of my book. There will be a sixth printing available to you, but it's going to be a good bit more money. This is the book that I think you will find to be maybe the only gardening reference you will need. You'll, you'll want other books. There's some other wonderful gardening books about gardening in Texas and just gardening in general. But this one could be the only one that you go to for all your gardening needs. Uh, it has 11 chapters. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas, the soils of Texas, the climate zones of Texas, the hardiness zones of Texas, and why I think the, the latest USDA hardiness zone map was in error. And I show you why. And uh, I think we need to be using the 1990 map. And because of that, I put that in the book. And it's right there for you. Uh, that's uh, chapter one. Chapter two is a 48-page calendar of when to plant, prune, fertilize, and spray all of the plants that you're growing in your landscape and garden. It's written for every county in the state of Texas. It's not a grid calendar that you hang on the wall. This is a, a written calendar that's perpetual and uh, four pages per month of what you do in each month. We're about to change the page to October. There will be all of your October guidelines and the September ones you need to hurry and get finished are in there too. And that's uh, chapter two. Chapters three through 11 are trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. I worked a year on this book and I self-published it so it could be exactly the book that I always wanted to have for you. 840 of my photographs and 344 pages printed on high quality paper by Clear Visions in San Antonio. It's a hardback. Now, the book is not in stores and not on Amazon. They would have taken their cut, and they would have run the price up on you. I'm selling it at $32.95 while I have copies of the fifth printing still available. When the fifth printing is uh, gone, then it will go to $38.95. This is a sale price. It has been $36.95, but I'm trying to get them all cleaned out so we can get the sixth printing underway. And uh, $32.95 for a very limited time. There are two ways that you can order it, since it's not in stores and not on Amazon. You'll get a signed copy if you order right away. The quicker way to get it is to order it from my website, which is neilsperry.com. But you can also call my office Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. That's at 800-752-GROW. 800-752-4769. 800-752-GROW. But the better way is at N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. Why pay every month for a temporary storage facility when you can own your own genuine Mueller building? Mueller's Backyard Building Kits are... uh, right there, ready to assemble, affordable, and they offer a permanent storage solution right in your own backyard. With a variety of sizes available and more than 30 colors from which to choose, their backyard building kits complement any home or landscape. And if your equipment requires even more storage space, Mueller's Standard Series buildings are ready to go to work for you. They're fabulous. From workshops, 
to big barns. These pre-engineered bolt-together buildings come in a variety of size and color options. I saw a, a TV ad for an airport hangar. That's how big they can go. You can also visit them online at MuellerInc.com to get a free customized building estimate. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. While you're there, click on their color selector tool. It makes choosing the perfect combination of colors an easy decision. To find out more about Mueller Steel Buildings and Mueller Metal Roofing, call 877-2, the number 2, Mueller. That's 877-268-3553. Or once again, visit them at MuellerInc.com. Mueller means more. Mueller means steel buildings for permanent storage. We'll have more after this message. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. We have three open lines, one occupied with Brendan Temple, and we'll go to Brendan in just a minute. One of the things that you can do as a gift to the talk show host to say, hey, thanks for putting this program on for 35 years, is to call. How about a call? 888-256-1080. Don't feel guilty if you don't call, but that is a is a good thing to do. Uh, this time of year uh, traditionally is a quiet time, and and uh, and I know that. Uh, you've heard me say that every autumn, and uh, I, I know that listeners are out there. And I'll tell you another thing that happens. Uh, it's about a quarter after 11 now, a little beyond that, and about a quarter before 12, the phones start lighting up. And uh, I can't get you on right at the end of the program. Call right now, 888-256-1080. We're going to go now to a very smart person, and that will be Brenda, who called early. Brenda in Temple. Brenda, good morning. Good morning. How can I help you today? Well, I have two fig trees that I've started in pots as small seedlings. They're now about three foot tall and thriving, and I'm wondering, should I transplant them into the ground this fall? And if so, are they more of an understory tree, or do they need to be out in the open? They need to be in full sun, and they need to be a good distance away from other plants. You started these from cuttings, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want anybody to hear the word seedlings and and uh, be mistaken in how they how they would try to start. Um, a couple of uh, things that I would offer to you. Number one, they need to be put out in in an open area where they have 15 feet uh, in diameter uh, to grow. They're big shrubs, is is what they are, and so give them plenty of room. A lot of people put them up against the house and. Then uh, they say, oh, my gosh, it's in the eaves. It's smashing up against the house and just uh, one thing after another. So be uh, be forewarned. Um, and then the second thing, if I told you that these, and, and what I'm going to tell you is true, uh, that these are a little bit tender in the wintertime, especially young new growth like you have, what kind of provisions could you make to get them indoors if you had them in pots? Could you pot them up and... And, and transport the pots into the garage or into the house if you had a really bad cold spell like we've had a couple of times in the last couple of winters? I could. Why don't you do that and then plant them out? Uh, you know, you heard me say at the beginning of the program that fall is the very best time to plant um, uh, uh, to plant uh, woody plants, to shrubs and trees. The exception that I should have mentioned and didn't would be plants that we know are 
ever so slightly tender to wintertime in, in our particular area. You're in Temple, and, and figs are a little more winter-hardy there than they are where I live in, in the Metroplex, but they're still tender. And uh, the, the really cold spell 20 months ago in February killed figs to the ground even way south of where you are. And so it would be better if you could possibly uh, get them through the winter in protection than put them out so they can get really well-established over the, the spring, summer, and fall before their first winter. So I'd leave them in pots. I'd put them out uh, on as many days and nights as you can during the winter. But if it's going to get down below about, they'll lose all their leaves, of course. If it's going to get down below uh, 28 or 27, then I'd set them into the garage. Or if it's going to get down below uh, 23 or 4, then I'd bring them into the, the coolest part of your house just overnight or for two or three nights, and then put them back outdoors as much of the time as you can. You don't want to get them soft and succulent and have them start to grow inside. You just want to give them some protection from that. It's This is going to be a horrible comparison, but it's kind of like we do in the homeless shelters. On the worst of nights, we try to get people inside. You want to bring your figs inside on those nights. Okay, great. That's what I needed. Good for you. Let me know when the preserves are ready. I'll be down. Okay, that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Steve in Amarillo. Steve, this is Neil. Good morning. All right. Not hearing Steve. Steve, are you there? Hello, Steve. I'm right here. There you are. All right. I am, too. I'm right here. How can I help you? Okay, okay great. I'm hoping there's a way to uh, to treat or get rid of um, weedy grasses similar to or like foxtail mixed in with the lawn um, without just having to kill everything off and start over. Tell me when you are seeing it. When is it producing its uh, its flowers? Right now it's got some, um, some of it has a, a, a stem sticking up uh, several inches with a fuzzy uh looking foxtail thing on it right, so you're, you're seeing it you're seeing it in the uh, in in late summer and fall then I'm, yes yeah I'm, it, I'm, go ahead there's another variety that's kind of uh doesn't look exactly like that it looks a little bit like crabgrass but it doesn't lay down flat it's just kind of a coarse grass that comes in the early spring so uh, that I've just been trying to pull or cut out of the ground, and that's been fairly successful in doing that. But right. I don't want to do that again next year, and I'm afraid I'm going to have to just because the lawnmower will scatter, you know, whatever seed is there. Right. Um, mm-hmm. What I am, uh, there are, are people who uh, who have a different, who mistake foxtail for other you know, put that name on other uh, wild grasses, weed grasses. Sure. It is a grass. What I need to do is um, I want to I want to make sure. I thought it was a cool season grass, and so, therefore, it would have been something we would have put a pre-emergent out for. I want to give me two minutes during this next break uh, to do just a quick university research. What, what I do on my keyword, and I'll just tell you right now, if you wanted to do the same thing or you can stay on hold and I'll see what I can find. But I, okay. will, I will search university, um, pre-emergent control, foxtail, 
and see what I can come up with in a southern university. Oklahoma State's probably what I'll look for because they are probably the most equivalent to where you are, or Colorado State, and okay. uh, see what I can find for you. Um, we'd like to get rid of it with a pre-emergent weed killer uh, because we don't want to have to kill the desirable grasses. We don't want to use a glyphosate uh, as example. And so okay. give me give me that uh, give me that time to do it. I have a two minute break uh, where I'm not on the air, and I think I can mm-hmm. find something that will give me a little bit of guidance. Uh, Amarillo's climate is enough different from where I live, and I just want to make sure that my advice is accurate for you. So okay, okay stay no right problem. there. We'll, we'll just, put you. Yeah, yep. you stay right there. Don't hang up, and and uh, uh, Jared will not hang up on you, and we'll come right back to you. Let's do it that way. All right, folks, let me take this break, and we'll come back, and I'll have that answer. And I'll, I normally don't do that, but uh, because I have that, that time and because I'm not terribly sure on this particular weed in that particular climate, I want to make sure. Nils Ray's eGardens is my free electronic newsletter. It comes out on Thursday nights, just a little after 6 p.m. And uh, this past one that came out 36 hours ago or so has a, an animal this time. Always about gardening, but this is a garden animal that showed up in our landscape this week that I've had. Well, it's actually showed up uh, over this summer, and it's one that uh, that I was really excited to find out about. I couldn't see it. I could hear it at night when I was out with Zeus the dog. It was a uh, it, it had just uh, arrived in our landscape. M- many of you probably already are aware of it. I wasn't. It had come from South Texas uh, 30 years ago and had come into the metropolitan areas uh, in potting soil, of all things. It is a Rio Grande chirping frog. I did a recording of it, had it identified by the wildlife management people at Texas A&M, and then did my homework and wrote a, a story on it. I think you'll enjoy it, and I think you'll enjoy hearing the lovely little song that the thing sings. They were all over the place back when it rained about three weeks ago, and I hope if we get some rain uh, that I'll get to hear them again before it gets cold. But uh, that's one of the stories. Always there's the featured plant of the week. Always there is uh, the uh, uh, gardening this weekend, and where I give you the outline of things that you need to get done that weekend. And uh, since this is a weekly publication, and also my answers to your gardening questions. Five stories every week. It's free and always will be. I'll never spam you. I don't give or sell your email address to anybody. We have 80,000 subscribers. We'd like to have you. Go to my website. You can find this latest one. It's archived there, and you can, you can read about the chirping frogs, and you can see how you sign up at neilsperry.com. That's eGardens at N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. Then click on that eGardens tab. I'll be back with more after these messages. Thank you, uh, Kelly, very, very much. And uh, we will go back to uh, uh, Steve. Let me get everything squared around here. And I always make a note of my callers, and I didn't do that. Uh, Steve, I have uh, I needed a three-minute break. Uh, there is uh, there are some really good things at Oklahoma State University uh, on okay. foxtail. Uh, what I am looking for, and I'm I'm pretty sure that foxtail is a warm season weed in your area. It is. It appears to be in Oklahoma. The problem that uh, I was having trouble with is uh, getting it broken out from other uh, weeds. They they have some really good information on uh, on lawn management. But the uh, dilemma that I was facing was that they had, uh, let me see if I can get back to where I was, um, 
they had uh, all the weeds grouped together. They didn't have foxtail pulled out by itself. And yes. So I'm going to let you, you go online pretty often. Yes, I do. All right. Please Google uh, uh, Oklahoma State University control of foxtail in uh, home lawns. And you, okay. will find, you will find three good uh, bulletins. The one that I was looking at is uh, called Lawn Management, turf.oakstate.edu, okstate.edu. But uh, there are two ahead of that that uh, may also have what you need. But I think you're looking at a pre-emergent applied in your area uh, a couple of weeks prior to your average date of the last killing freeze. So that's going to be... Uh, probably about April 1st, and then uh, about 90 days later. That's going to put you, uh, so it'd be May, June, about early July, late June, early July, and that's going to give you a full season of control. It is so hard for me to give dates based on Amarillo. I'm so used to Central Texas. That just seems like... You said, hmm? excuse me, Neil, you said two weeks prior to what? Your average date of the last killing freeze. This will germinate... Uh, it appears to me, best I can tell from what I was quickly reading, I have some pretty bad vertigo this morning. It's kind of hard for me to read fast. Um, but uh, it, uh, it appears to be a warm season weed in your area. Therefore, okay. it's, it's going to need to be put out at the same timing as you would for crabgrass and grass okay. And so that's going to be okay. just a little before the average date of the last killing freeze which is going to put you up into April in Amarillo. You get a killing freeze in April. And, sure. And, and so a little before that date, you would make your first application. You need a backup, a booster shot, 90 days later. And, okay. And so that's going to be maybe we'll say April 1st and July 1st. And, okay. And that should give you a season-long control. But I want you to verify that. Please don't hang your hat on that one yet. You, you well, may miss your good... head. <laughs> that gives me a good start, and I really appreciate your help. Well, and I think in this case, as much as I, uh, as much as I believe in A and M's information, um, I think uh, because of the, the the fact that Oklahoma State's in Stillwater, they're going to come closer to being the same as you are. Colorado State information also would be very very good. They're just about a, a nine iron shot from you. So, okay, thanks so much, Neil. You are very welcome. Have a good day. Take care. All right, let me go back. I see that the phone lines are really filling up. Thank you so much for that. Okay, we're going to Brian. Is this Dallas? Is that right? Thank, thank you for taking my call. Do I have your name right? Is it is it Dallas or Dolly? Dallas. Uh-huh. Okay, Dallas. How can I help you? Uh, I've heard you talk about the crepe myrtles, uh, and I have uh, listened to that, but I didn't have any problems at that time, so I didn't pay that much attention. I have about a total of 12 crepe myrtles in my yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones uh, that look healthy keep dripping this gooey, sticky stuff that sticks to my car or whatever is under it. And then the front uh, seven uh, all of a sudden have lost all their leaves, and they have where I told him not to trim them back, but he did anyway. Uh, they have like a black um, film that's coming on it. Okay, I can help you with both of those. Right. What I need to have from you is information of whether you see white um, 
things, they're insects, do you see white, um, look like mealybugs on the stems and the twigs of the crepe myrtles? Or do you? No, I, okay. I don't, but then, uh, then I haven't a, really looked, but I did. Okay. Uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't, I just needed, <laughs> needed that one to get me started. There okay. are two, two insects that will secrete what is called honeydew. What you are seeing is honeydew. And that is a very sticky, gooey mass that comes out of the insects. It's secreted from the sap that they are taking out of the plants. One of the insects is crepe myrtle bark scale, which is a white insect, first came into the United States in 2004 in Richardson, and it has since spread across Texas and to the east. So that's crepe myrtle bark scale, but you would see white uh, uh, insects on the twigs, on the a little bit on the leaves, but especially on the twigs and stems. That's crepe myrtle bark scale. The other is crepe myrtle aphids, and they would be all over the leaves. They usually show up in July and August, and they cause a drippage out of the trees that you can see when you're standing against the light. You look into the into the sunset, and you'll see the the mist coming down of the honeydew. I've seen that. All right, and that would be that would be crepe myrtle aphids. They are all over crepe myrtles right now, um, and oaks, and pecans, and many other plants. I live in a pecan forest, and and I'm going to wash my car. Uh, in uh, in about three hours, because my wife will be coming home from the state school board convention, and I don't want her to see it. Um, it's it's just a mess, and and we're going to start parking up our driveway a ways away from the pecan trees. So the black uh, that you're seeing, I'm getting a terrible feedback in my headphones. If you're near the radio or something, there's a, a loud. I'll just take my headphones off. That's all I can do. Um, the uh, black uh, growth that you're seeing is called sooty mold. It is the byproduct of the honeydew. You don't have to worry about it. It's not going to hurt the plants. It's ugly. But the way you get rid of it is to get rid of the honeydew. And the way you get rid of the honeydew is get rid of the, the insects. Um, the way to get rid of both crepe myrtle bark scale and crepe myrtle aphids is to use a systemic insecticide. It would be better to use it earlier than now. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to spell the insecticide in a minute if you want to get a pencil or a pen. I, I'm ready. All right. It's imidacloprid. I M I D A C L O P R I D. Imidacloprid. I'm also going to give you a website where all of this is written out and there are photos to show you. Um, but if you will if you will do a soil drench with imidacloprid back in May, mid May then you can avoid all of this. It's taken up into the plant, and the insects suck the sap, and, and, and it gets them so they don't go on to do all of this. The mm -hmm. website that will explain all of this, I wrote the whole thing for our Crepe Myrtle Trails of McKinney. It's C-R-A-P-E, Crepe Myrtle Trails dot org. C-R-A-P-E, Crepe Myrtle Trails dot org. And then when you're given the navigation options, you go to basic care, and you'll see pest control. Okay, very good. So. All right, I know that uh, earlier when I would water, if I put the water up in the limb of the trees, um, I, I would see things fly away. Well, there are, yeah, there are other insects. You'll have butterflies and other things that get up mm -hmm. in there because of the the uh, sweetness of the honeydew, but but that's mm -hmm. that's totally unrelated. Okay. 
Oh, okay, good. All right. Well, All thank right. you so much, and You're I enjoy your program every week. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Appreciate the call. Okay, bye-bye. All right, let me take a break. We'll come back. We'll go to Douglas back in Amarillo as we as we hopscotch across Texas. Again, uh, let me tell you, and I'll do a short version this time of my book offer. The book is uh, the fifth printing of Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening, while I have copies remaining at $32.95. Folks, if this book doesn't pay for itself by the end of this calendar year, I'll buy it back from you. It's going to be a signed copy. I sign every copy as it sells. And uh, I'd be proud to sign one for you. Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening, 344 pages, 840 of my best photos. It's a hardback on high-quality paper, 11 chapters that cover every aspect of outdoor lawns, uh, landscaping, flower, fruit, and vegetable gardening for every county in the state of Texas. And uh, there are more than 25 multi-page charts to help you make the best decisions in your gardening endeavors. Now, the book is not in stores, and it's not on Amazon. You can read a lot more about it where you buy it. That's at my website. That's where it is sold, my website or by calling my office. I know you probably haven't seen it. If you want to buy it and you say, hey, this is just not for me, I'll buy it back from you. I've sold 75,000 copies, and nobody has asked for their money back yet. So I think you'll like it. I think you'll find that it will really help you be a successful gardener. Here are the two ways to buy it. One is to go to neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com, or call my office Monday through Friday business hours, 800 800- 752-GROW, 800-752-4769. Better yet, order it directly from the website. Remember, it's not in stores and not on Amazon. That's N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y dot com. Don't delay. Order while it's still just thirty-two ninety-five. Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. More after these messages. All right, Kelly, thank you very, very much. And we go back to Amarillo. This is Douglas in Amarillo. Douglas, good morning. Hi, Neil. Enjoy your program and your newsletter both. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Hey, Neil, I'm kind of curious. Uh, how hard am I pushing my luck trying to grow muscadine grapes up here within the city limits and here in Amarillo? Pretty hard. Pretty, pretty hard. They uh, they prefer acidic soil. I don't think your soil is going to be acidic. They like high humidity. I don't think that qualifies. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I'm sorry. I was wondering about growing them in whiskey barrels and then trying to, uh, you know, move them into the garage to keep from winter killing in the, in the wintertime. Uh, Douglas, I think you might as well do something else that's going to frustrate you i i think a I think a half whiskey barrel is not going to be nearly enough soil for them too that's the other problem okay. that's just so root okay. bound and and the other thing the whiskey barrel is going to frustrate you because it's going to explode i tried that once on something else i don't know what it was and the and the uh, the band rusted out about the time my plant got nice sized <laughs> i just I, I just my my heart okay. goes to you yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll stick with the regular grapes then versus the muscadine. So I think, okay. it, I think I that's wise. It, you bet. Thanks for calling. Have a good day. Let's Thank go you. to Nancy. Nancy and Brenham. Nancy, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. I have a tall Esperanza tree mm-hmm. that started out as a 12-inch pot maybe 15 or more years ago. Now it's probably 20, 30 feet tall. 
and it planted it, though, right beside an electrical pole with a transformer on it, and I'm wondering if that's why it has not bloomed in years. Oh, goodness. And uh, uh, a side issue, this has nothing to do with your question. It made it through the winter of uh, 21, of February of 21. Good girl. You sure it's still an Esperanza tree? <laughs> well, that's what I thought it was when I planted it in Indiana. Oh, I'm, I'm just kidding yellow. you. I thought maybe you had a china berry tree now or something. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and it and it bloomed normally initially. It it had yes. flowers all season long. Beautifully hanging yellow flowers. Yes. Okay. Started out. All right. Um, no, I don't think the I don't think the transformer would have anything to do with it. Um, okay. I'll, let me tell you a side issue that has come up with the the uh, Gold Star Esperanza, and I doubt that this has anything to do with, with your question, but it's something to keep in mind if you ever buy another one. Um, Greg Grant, the wonderful horticulturist, the, the brilliant plant person who's now Extension Horticulturist in uh, Smith County in Tyler, and Dr. Jerry Parsons, who uh, retired uh, as Extension Horticulture Specialist in uh, in the San Antonio region, and Dr. Steve George, who also uh, is retired as uh, he's not retired as an Extension Horticulturist up in North Texas. The three guys worked together. Greg found and developed Gold Star Esperanza, the one that blooms so beautifully for so much of the summer. And they've they've put an alert out uh, several years ago, three or four years ago. Uh, Jerry especially did, Dr. Parsons, that uh, one of the big wholesale nurseries was propagating uh, Esperanzas that were not Gold Star. They were not blooming. They, the Gold Star Esperanzas should be blooming at all times. Mm. And they, when you buy an Esperanza, it should have the tag on it that says Gold Star Esperanza. Uh, there is a royalty paid back to Texas A&M for ongoing research, uh, oh. for somebody to have the right to call a plant Gold Star Esperanza. And uh, one big grower was, was just propagating from seed, and those plants were not selections. They, they were not improved varieties. They were just seedlings, and they, they didn't bloom very well. And I got a lot of questions from people saying, how come my, my, uh, they thought they had Gold Star Esperanza weren't blooming properly? And, and Dr. Parsons told me that that was the major reason that he was seeing in South Texas. Now, yours didn't change, um, I guess, unless it mutated or something, but, um, but, but that's something to think about. But Gold Star Esperanza, if you ever have to replace the one you have, you want to make sure you get a bona fide Gold Star Esperanza with a tag on it when you buy it. Okay. It, it should be in bloom when you buy it also. They should be blooming okay. all the, all season long. I don't know why it isn't blooming. Is it in full sun? It is. That's what it needs. Um, I don't know of any other reason that it wouldn't be. I, I don't have a good answer. Uh, okay. I would, I would stay away from it with nitrogen. If it's in a lawn area where you're putting a lot of nitrogen on your, on your turf grass, uh, stay away from it with that. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I, I don't have much to offer. You okay. know, you, you could try, you could try the same thing we do with, um, wisteria and that would be to root prune it where you take a sharpshooter spade and just cut down through the lateral roots you don't try to dig it up and move it or anything you just cut some of the lateral roots to shock it and uh, you could do that in late winter you'd come out from the trunk maybe uh, oh, 42 inches it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a major shock to it but it would 
it would uh, just sever it enough to, to let it know that, hey, I think I better start blooming. There's something going okay. on here. I'm, I've, I've told you more than I know. <laughs> well, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm glad you called. Have a good day. Bye-bye. All right, let me take my last break. We'll chat a little bit. My website is neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L, alphabetic order on the vowels there, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. I never have cared how you spell my name until now, and you have to have it right or you won't get the right website. may not get any website, neilsperry.com. That's where you find that really good offer on my book, Neil Sperry's Lone Star Gardening. It's where you sign up for Neil Sperry's eGardens. It's also where you find answers to my 1001 Frequently Asked Questions. I leave archived their information on rose rosette virus and also on crepe myrtle bark scale and a lot of other things. So I hope you go to my website and take a look around. I think you'll find it very, very useful. That's neilsperry.com. Take a look, please. Homegrown goodness, that's what Mueller is all about. They've been producing quality steel buildings and metal roofing right here in Texas for 90 years. And now you can grow a Mueller greenhouse right there in your own backyard. How about that? They're easy-to-assemble, bolt-together greenhouses come in five sizes. From 6x9, that's too small. You need a big greenhouse, to a 12x21, there you go. They feature a galvanized steel frame with more than 30 designer trim colors from which to choose. Wouldn't that look great in your backyard? With hail-resistant polycarbonate panels, lockable walk doors and windows, a Mueller greenhouse will let the sun shine in while it protects your plants year-round. This is the perfect time to get your Mueller greenhouse. Don't let the weather ruin what you've worked so hard to produce. Get a great greenhouse from a great Texas-grown company. Visit them online at Mueller, Inc., Com. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C dot com. Or give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER. That's the number 2. 877-268-3553. MuellerInc.com. Mueller means greenhouses. More after this message. Well, folks, here is the uh, here is the layout of the land on this one. I have about a minute left in the program, minute and a half, and I don't want to try to get a bunch of calls in at this point. I have a couple of things I want to talk to you about. One of them is watering. There are a lot of people who see leaves dropping on their trees, and they say, ah, it's just fall. That's what happens this time of year. This is still September, for crying out loud. And what is happening is our plants are dry all of a sudden again. We're back in that mode. And we had some rain for a while there, and now we're back to the dry side of town. And so you need to keep the hoses out. You need to water your plants. How well they are hydrated going in. To see if this sounds anything familiar to uh, to human uh, the human body. How well they are hydrated when they go into a time of stress, i.e. the winter, uh, determines how well they survive and come out on the other side. So you need to take good care of your plants now. A good soaking now can pay big dividends. And uh, so I would very much suggest that you get the hose out and water your plants very deeply. It's also a good time to start mulching as your trees do lose, lose leaves. Run them through the, the mower. Catch those leaves, put them in the compost, or 
If you don't care to run a compost pile in your landscape, then uh, use the shredded leaves beneath your shrubs or on uh, your perennials beds. As your perennials finish up their blooming cycle and and uh, are trying to produce seeds, keep those clipped off and and uh, then what you can do is uh, uh, keep things really tidy and, and use the shredded tree leaves and, and uh, grass clippings of the fall. You can use those uh, under the uh, around the perennials to keep weeds out of the perennial gardens. One other weed that I want to mention to you that is widespread across Texas right now is KR Blue Stem, King Ranch Blue Stem. It is blooming right now across big parts of Texas. It is really invasive into lawns. You need to look that one up. I've had it in my eGardens newsletter a couple of times. You don't want to let that one form seeds in your lawn because it'll be all through your lawn and into your gardens and your ground covers and everywhere. It is a mess. It may be a good forage grass, but it's not a good plant to have around the landscape. Jared Taylor, nice job running the program today. To all of you who have listened, I have enjoyed having you with us. We'll be back next week, same time, same station. Until then, happy gardening.